to go out to this island that no one ever visited because it's this tiny little island called Frokelan, which means the, the heathery, heathery island. And um, I go up to a little hotel, a little bed and breakfast where I'm renting the rowboat and this person is gonna row us out there. And I go back down to the shore and my mother has disappeared, gone, like, like, <laughs> like, like evaporated into the mystical Scottish air, right? And, and I, I, I've lost my mother, you know, the Scottish, you know, the, 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 the descendant of this clan has lost his other descendant of the clan, you know, somewhere on the, on the banks of the loch. And, and so I just, I'm, I guess, more and more frantic, going into the hotel, have you seen the woman who just looks like me with the big cheeks and the crazy hair? And have you seen a woman who looks, no, we haven't seen anybody, walking up and down the road, calling the police. And then I go down, I realize there's this little set of abandoned train tracks. I say, there's no way she wandered down this, this set of, there's absolutely no way that she, and so, but I think I'm just at my wit's end. And so I'm, you know, frantic and in, increasingly incoherent. And so I'm just wandering this thing and all of a sudden I hear this sort of weeping in the distance and out of, you know, a quarter mile away, walking back in my direction with her like fanny pack and three purses is Elizabeth McKnight Paulson, my mother, born Bonnie Custis McKnight. And she said, I thought you left me. I think left me. So, and so you wandered down the train track so to this day, to this day, to this day, whenever my mom is straying off the subject or straying into the bound, I said, my mom, I said, mom, train tracks. And she says, train tracks. And that's our little, that's our little sign to each other. So that's, that, that's our, that's our Scottish inheritance. I, that's, I didn't know all the story. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. wonderful and wonderfully told. Yeah, well, there it is. Scottish, the Scottish eccentricity dies, you know, die, dies very slowly over many generations, apparently. Yeah. So, what is it we're meant to discuss, anyway? So, so he's going to ask. Okay, questions. good. I'm just, yeah, I'm just. Well, I'm looking at you, am I? Well, you can look at me. Yeah, and look, look at the, the camera. camera yeah. Okay, and and I, I guess what I'm, I it's guess not what I'm. Supposed to be there. Well, that, no, I can be there. I can be there. I can be. Uh, yeah, I can just be. Uh, a good-looking wraith. <laughs> quite, quite striking. Oh, what a flatterer! <laughs> um, I'm, and, and we're just going to get a word in it. I, I, I hope not. And we we will just keep rolling. So no matter where we go with this, so I'm just well, I'm just going to say I'm just going to start you off by saying um, I feel that words are, are, are talismans, are, are spells, are power, and we see that in speech, but we particularly see it in poetry. Uh, and and I and I wonder what. How does poetry talk to you? Mm. Um, what 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 is it that that makes you an evangelist for for for, for those to those readers out there who aren't reading enough to read more? Uh, well, ta talisman is a great and powerful word to to to, uh, to evoke, and I I think that there is something deeply talismanic about the sound of a William Butler Yeats yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He might have been the first poet I think I ever committed to memory. It was an Irish Irish airman foresees his death. You know this one? Oh yeah. I know that I shall meet my fate somewhere beyond the clouds above. Those that I fight I do not hate. Those that I guard I do not love. And this sort of this sort of iambic rhythm um, it's, it's, it, it, it insinuates and it, it, it sticks. And in a very effervescent, I mean it's, it's almost a cliche to say how how um, temporary and ephemeral and, and uh, superficial um, so much of 21st century life is to have something that sticks with you and have something that no mechanical technological yeah. failure can take away um, is, um, is a deeply moving thing and I, I think the more I myself rely on these you know these little second brains that we keep in our pockets um, <laughs> for, for all manner of little daily tasks the, the more I, I uh, exert 
uh, and, and exhort uh, myself to, to, um, to, to memorize, to memorize verse. And I think that that, that is what something, that's something that's truly ours. I, I was luckily taught and, and mentored quite a bit by um, a professor named Harold Bloom, who for quite, quite um, some years has been um, one, of, one of America's proudest and best um, uh, voices of literary criticism. And, and um, he, Harold Bloom. I talked to you about Bloom. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a, a famous book called The Anxiety of Influence. He's a great Shakespearean scholar and a scholar of many things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that most impressed me when I, when I took his seminars at Yale was his ability to just call forth not just lines of Shakespeare, paragraphs upon par soliloquies, sonnets, and then the, the paragraph of Samuel Johnson or William Hazlitt commenting upon that that scene in King Lear, that scene in Macbeth, and and his ability to have that all at his um, at his fingertips, you know, and, and and it never left him. He owned and and uh, and embraced um, this treasure, uh, this musical melodic uh, literary treasure, uh, in a way that you never own it when it's stored in your Gmail account. You know, it's 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 uh, it's something that's truly yours. Uh, and that you take with you wherever you go, yeah. um, on every shore, you know, in every yeah. uh, drab waiting room. You can always have, bring back Yeats and, and, and yeah. Shakespeare and Dylan Thomas yeah. um, with you. And, um, and so I think that's something that um, is a bit, uh, a bit atavistic. It, it's flowing against the tide, but I, I, um, I treasure it. And how would you, how would you um, exhort somebody to, to, to start? Where would they start? Let's assume that someone has virtually no idea of the classics or, or, or the great lineages of poetry. Yeah. Where, where would be somewhere that you would suggest, point to as a way in? So one of the, one of the nice and, and often forgotten facts about poetry is that for most of antiquity, poetry was song. And so we did. We did our little Sappho yeah. um, book club, didn't it's we? Marvelous and, Sappho. And um, well, and, yeah. and what we did. What we did was we we read a little bit about her, and then we just read lots of different translations yeah. of the Greek and had. And Greek, like like modern Chinese, is a tonal language. So the vowels are going up and, and down, and, and it's meant. It's, it, it has a singing cadence to it, melody to it. And um, it's worth reminding that that when Homer um, and Aeschylus and Sappho and Pindar uh, were read, they were read aloud and they were read to song. And I'll tell you, not everyone knows poetry by heart, but everyone, absolutely everyone, has songs they know by heart. And so when you say, where do you begin? Begin with your favorite song. Song. And, and begin with the most lyrical, um, memorable, moving songs that you know, because everyone has songs that they've committed to, to memory. Today, and, all poetry is in song. Mm. I mean, especially in France. And I think every time, that, especially in France, and every time that I sing um, a Bob Dylan song, for example, um, I, there's a part of me that feels like I, I've touched something that is very ancient, a very ancient tradition of poetry. Poetry is meant to be sung, and that was always in the Western tradition. And he wanted Under Milkwood to be sung. It was a musical. That's right. And he died, mm. but he wanted it. He was working with a musician to put it into music. If only one life save and turn away from hate, this world I would remake. That's from my, my poem of, for you, small child, with your wild wayward cries, this world I would remake. Where your large eyes, round as suns, lap at the seesaw suns. For you, small child of delight, I fiercely try and persuade and shake this world 
I would remain. To birth in the ruffles so bright, da -da -da -da. for you, small child of delight, this world I would remain. It's a villain. That's to be, to be. Strowing, no? Strowing. Strowing. That way, yeah, it's a new word. It's an old word. Strowing. Ah. That to, to be uh, throwing so, out. Sewing. Broadcasting or sewing. Stroll, 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 stroll. Ah, stroll. To stroll. No, never. To never. stroll. So, anyway, it's because it's, it's the dairy close, you know, this close is a, to the white bird by more Well, no, that's why. It's, that's yeah. why the white bird is very important in the Celtic. Uh, signs and symbols. And you know what the, the bird symbolizes in Celtic mythology? It symbolizes, first and foremost, the sacred feminine. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The, the whole thing is the sacred feminine. And just that perfect segue to something we talked about at lunch. We, we were talking about the, the, uh, the over masculization of, of, of culture, and, um, and you were talking about the rise of the, the feminine, the sacred feminine. Yeah, and the second feminine is coming back now. Well, well gradually, I told him about little. that in the poem he just read. So he just kindly changed it all, and it's beautifully done. He immediately caught on to the fact because yeah. it kept going. The, the he he didn't mean it like that because he's doing a little translation from the the French, which was perfectly okay. Yeah, I so I said, why don't you use the you know instead of that the he and the she and the being and it. it no, but the thing is, no, but the thing is, in French, when you say man, l'homme, it means a human being, not necessarily a he, you know. But no, in but English, if you say a man, you have to say he. Not necessarily. So I change that. When you say man, sometimes René, a man means l'être humain. Well, but there it didn't work. But you, you were saying he all the time. He. Well, if I say man, I have to say he. <laughs> Anyway. So that's why you I put creature, it beautiful. I put you being, it. human you beings, or it creature. And it is beautiful. Yeah. That's it. It was a, it's a beautiful poem, and I'm very happy that you've, you've done that translation.